0: All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind Tore the mountains apart And shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Io, very much. We are looking week by week at a series of encounters God has with different people through the Bible. Today, Elijah exhausted, burnt out, tired, afraid, Uh, wherever we are, there, there are times when we identify with that and some of you will particularly be in need of that really fresh touch from the Lord. Let's pray that he will speak. Lord, we've been praying that as we sang Gethin's lovely song, Whisper, and we've heard how you restored Elijah and spoke to him in that still, small voice. So come by your spirit and speak to us through this ancient story, through me as I speak now, directly to us. You know each one of us, you know what we need. May we hear your restoring word to us today. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 21 years ago, it was the summer of 2001, I remember it. We'd been here a year. We had five children under 10, and there was an awful lot going on, and I was pretty tired. Uh, I was driving along the M40, going to St. Thomas, my 10-year-old, on an explorer venture. Um, Explorers and Pathfinders, SIFE Ventures, fantastic things. If you've got older children, they are just such glorious things, uh, places for them to discover the Lord for themselves, away in the summer holidays for a week. Uh, And I was going to pick Thomas up from this one. I was driving down the M40. I was listening to a tape, if you remember those days. It wasn't even a CD. This is 21 years ago. It feels like about 100 years ago, but it was a tape. Uh, I was listening to a Christian leader speaking about the dangers of burnout uh, and how he had always operated his life as if there's a, a physical dial and a spiritual dial. And he kept his eye on those dials and thought, if those are okay, he's fine. And he was describing, as I was listening to it, how he had completely missed the fact that we have an emotional dial as well. And he was very much in the red zone, burning out, and needed to give attention to this. And he was encouraging church leaders not just to look after themselves physically or spiritually, but emotionally, and to watch the dials on your life. And as I was driving uh, just past junction 10 of the M40, smoke started pouring out of the bonnet of my car, and I had to pull into the hard shoulder... I uh, obviously hadn't been paying enough attention to the dials on the car, uh, and I sat there as the smoke poured out and calmed down, listening to this tape about watching the dials on your life, and it was like the Lord was saying, listen, Jonathan, this is for you, and eventually it calmed down, and I limped into Bister services, and people came to rescue me, uh, but it was one of those moments where God was saying, listen. All of us have these dials on our life, as it were, a physical, and emotional, a spiritual. There are other ones, mental, relational as well. And we need to pay attention to them. Well, today we encounter Elijah as he is spent. His dials are all in the red zone, if you like. And the Lord meets him and restores him. And wherever you are, if you're really tired and fed up as Elijah was, I pray that today the Lord will meet you. And begin that process of restoration. If you're well, praise the Lord and make sure you put in place watching the dials in your life so you don't get uh, overdrawn and burnt out and spent. Uh, so we're going to look at the story of Elijah. Some of you will know it quite well, some of you won't know it very well. Cracking story. And then we'll look at what the Lord did to restore him. Uh, we first meet Elijah a couple of chapters earlier in 1 Kings 17. <clears throat> this is about 850 BC, Okay, to get your bearings, King David was 1000 BC, uh, after David and Solomon, the, they had a civil war, they split into a north and a south, that's why when you read through the kings it gets confusing, because they're in parallel, the kings of the south and the kings of the north, the north became increasingly godless, the south wasn't brilliant, uh, and Elijah comes on the scene to speak into King Ahab, who was the king of the north who was terrible. Uh, Let's just hear about how King Ahab was. 1 Kings 16 from verse 30. King Ahab, the son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nemat, but he also married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of the Sidonians, and he began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole, a sort of female God, and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. He was not a good king. Humanly, there was wealth and affluence, but in the Lord's sight, the people of Israel were going well astray. They weren't worshipping the Lord, they were worshipping the Baals and the Asherahs, and God had had enough. And he sent uh, Elijah the prophet and Elijah appears on the scene, 1 Kings 17, 1, and says this. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, so now you know where that was, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is a terrible judgment for a nation. As the leaders go in a nation, so the nation goes. Uh, and as... King Ahab departed from the living God and wouldn't come back. Judgment came on the whole land. Uh, So the rain dried up, and the next chapter tells how God looked after Elijah in different places. Uh, Obadiah, one of the great heroes, stayed in the palace and looked after a hundred prophets, hiding them in caves and feeding them and watering them. Uh, The Lord knows how to look after his people. But it's at least two years later when there's been this terrible drought that we meet Elijah again Ahab's been looking for him everywhere he wants to kill him he's blaming him for the drought Uh, and God sends Elijah back 1 Kings 18 verse 1 after a long time in the third year the word of the Lord came to Elijah go and present yourself to King Ahab and I will send rain on the land so Elijah goes he meets Obadiah the prophet on the way tells Obadiah tell Ahab I'm coming and then Elijah meets Ahab Uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 16. So Obadiah met Ahab, told him, Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. Bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went there before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And the stage is set for this cracking showdown. And if you don't know the story, 1 Kings 18 is a wonderful, wonderful story. Elijah gets the prophets of... He says to the prophet, Baal is a god of fire. And he says to them, you set up an altar and a bull and call on Baal to come by fire. And then I'll set up an altar and a bull and I'll call on the living God to answer by fire. And the God who answers by fire is the living God, let's worship him. So the prophets of Baal, there's 450 of them and 400 of Asherah, there's a lot of them, they set up the altar, they set up uh, the bull... And they call on Baal all day. They get more and more um, fervent. They cut themselves with knives. Elijah teases them. Perhaps Baal's on the loo, he says. It's a euphemism in the Hebrew. Just wait a bit. Or shout about louder. Perhaps he's gone a bit deaf. And all day they stir themselves into a frenzy. And they call on the god of Baal, who is the fire god, and nothing happens. And then in the evening... Elijah, at the time when the sacrifices should have been set. We read this. At the time of the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward. Uh, he's set up the altar. He's put his bull on it. He's not dancing around in a fervor. He just prays simply. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. An extraordinary moment. Utterly wonderful moment. Elijah's put himself right out there. The people have decided they're going to follow God. They kill the prophets of Baal. There's a real chance for the nation now to come back to the living God. Uh, The rain comes. Uh, There's lots more to the story, and I try not to preach that story. I just want you to know the background to our story today. But Elijah is utterly exhausted. He's carried this drought, if you like, into the third year. He's been responsible in prayer for it, and he's kept going. Now he's done this showdown, and it's been amazing, but he is spent. I know what I'm like on a Monday morning after a Sunday's ministry. I'm tired. Uh, You remember Jesus, when the woman touched the hem of his garment and she was healed, he felt power go out of him. All the power has gone from Elijah. He's utterly exhausted, and that's where we find him today. So as Io started to read, 1 Kings 19, 1 to 4. Now Ahab told his wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, a tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He's utterly spent. Extraordinary, this man who's done this great showdown in front of all the hundreds of prophets of Baal, but he's got nothing left. And when Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, he's just, he's gone. He's absolutely spent. He's used all his reserves. He's got nothing left. And he's had enough. Now, we all put a brave face on things. We're all pretty good at that. But some of you know what that feels like. You haven't carried a drought for two years, but you've been all the way through COVID. You've been caring for relatives. You've kept your uh, workplace going, your family going. And some of you stuff is going on and you're just... On your own, you're where Elijah is. I'm exhausted, Lord, I've got no energy. Others of you are fine, praise the Lord if you are. (laughs) Uh, We don't want to make a virtue out of being spent. But we're really good at, one of the things the British are really good at is putting a brave face on it. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, And then we collapse and people have no idea. So you know if this is you. Uh, For me, I'm pretty tired. Uh, Two years of leading the church through COVID and all the constant adjustments. Then the week after Christmas, that should have been a rest week. Mum was dying and the dog died. Uh, Then my breathing space in January was the funeral. Um, I've postponed and cancelled various things. But the church keeps going and I'm tired. I'm looking in my diary to put extra breathing spaces in. Uh, But when you've been... Going at a sort of carrying something that's not sustainable in the long term, and then something else happens. You know how Elijah felt. And for Elijah, it was worse. It wasn't just physical. Jezebel, we read, is into witchcraft uh, elsewhere in the scriptures. There is demonic spiritual attack on him, and she's threatening to kill him. And Elijah knows that she means it. He's exhausted and he's terrified. He's afraid. He's had enough. Uh, and sometimes after great success, that can be when you're, you just let, your, let it down. After day comes night. After summer comes winter. Well, I don't know how you are, and I hope and pray that you're not that exhausted. <laughs> but if you are, God is quite capable of restoring you. He restores Elijah, and we'll look at how he does it. Uh, we know what Elijah didn't know, that God is the God of resurrection. Uh, who's brought Jesus back from the dead, and that nothing is impossible for him. But if this is where you are, then hear how the Lord restores him. Elijah lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. The journey's too much for you. Uh, We have had the last uh, three days staying with us, my son Thomas and his family, so Sophia is two and a half, baby James is six months. When the children lose the plot, they need to sleep and they need to eat. Snack time, nap time, exactly the way the Lord treats Elijah. Sleep, food, sleep, food, before we address anything else. And for some of you, don't get over spiritual about how you are. You just need to sleep, and eat sleep and, re- and rest we are whole beings we are physical people as well as spiritual and emotional and sometimes people get over spiritual about everything god the first thing he does is let's just take some time to restore him food and sleep and then a long walk Uh, 40 days he goes off. So he he ate and strengthened by that food. He travels 40 days and nights till he reaches Horeb. That's the same as Mount Sinai. It's the same area where God met Moses. It's a place rich in symbolism. Uh, We'll hold that. Thanks, Zach, for now. And he goes and exercises. Food, sleep, exercise. When I'm over busy and bogged down in meetings and emails and I'm not exercising enough, things start to go wrong. Uh, I'm not playing squash or racquetball stuff anymore I'm walking more but I've lost my walking a bit over the busyness and I start to go we need our exercise just as much as we need our food and our drink we are whole people and walking with a purpose can be really healthy there is a great tradition in the Christian world of pilgrimage of a walk with a purpose of going for a walk with the Lord with a view um, a few years ago, I've told you a story of 20 years ago when we had five children under 10 and it was the early days of me being here and was just, I was tired and the Lord said watch your dials and I needed to give attention to them. Uh, over, things go up and down down the years, don't they? Don't they? Um, we had this the extraordinary high point of doing the redevelopment of this. Great seeing Rachel here in the front row who sort of was at the heart of coordinating all that as well as some of you others watching. Uh, really when this was done it was tremendously exciting. Uh, But not surprisingly, a little bit after that, there are a whole load of things that you can't put on the notice sheet cropped up, difficult things that happened. And it was a cocktail of stuff. And I felt really battered. Um, By God's grace, we had a house in North Devon that was let out, but it was empty for a bit, and we decided to do some work on it. And every month, Juliette and I got down there for two or three nights, and we walked the coast path. And we just talked it through. We prayed, we walked, we ate, we slept. It was kind of Elijah stuff, food, sleep, walk, just waiting for the Lord to speak. And this is what happens with Elijah. God gives him a couple of days immediate snack time, nap time like any toddler. Then there's exercise. And eventually he gets to the place in the cave where the Lord is going to speak to him. Uh, This week, I'm going to speak on a conference for church leaders. They're asking me to do some Bible readings, and that's why I've chosen to preach on the things I am. Jacob, a few weeks ago, and Moses and Elijah, I know that church leaders are quite tired and wanting to re-meet with the Lord. And I'm really looking forward to being there because once I've done my Bible reading by coffee time in the morning, I've got time just to take in and reconnect with friends and go for a walk in our place. So it's a bit like Elijah's two or three days, and I'm hoping the Lord will tell me uh, what I have to do. I'm hoping it's not a 40-day walk with no more food, but but the idea is let's take a first step and see where he's taking us. That's the first thing. If you're exhausted, look after yourself physically. Eat, drink, sleep. Exercise. Got our doctors on the front row nodding their heads. (laughs) Uh, Then there's the second thing, is this retreat time with the Lord. So God takes Elijah off 40 days for Elijah and then meets with him. (laughs) Now we need time with the Lord each day. Uh, Quiet time, we usually call it, of just being still before the Lord, whether it's you with your Bible and your cup of coffee or whether it's going for a walk, whatever it is. We need time each day. When that goes then spiritually we begin to struggle. And we need to reconnect that. It's really good from time to time to give the Lord a longer time, a quiet day, a week. Often when folks have come to New Wine for a week, that's a really good time of letting go of work, of the children being well looked after, and of you being able to connect with the Lord and hear what he's saying. And really we need both. We need the rhythms day by day and the special times. Uh, In this church, we're really fortunate to have Lissy Clark, who's a fantastic spiritual director, her contemplative at-home resources. She's part of a network that does retreat in daily life. Uh, Not everybody can just bunk off for 40 days like Elijah could. And there's a way of of just meeting with people every week or two and helping process stuff. And if you know you're spiritually spent, then you're going to need to find a way of giving time for the lord a bit more than usual it might be a quiet day the well run them from time to time uh, there's plenty of resources out there and do have a word if you're not sure where to look god takes elijah off to a place that is steeped in god meeting his people where god met moses where god revealed to moses as we saw a couple of weeks ago that he is a god of compassion and grace i found going back to places where god's met me significant I went on a Scripture Union camp for many years as a teenager, and there was a time when I was going to collect some of my kids from a Pathfinder venture when I was down in Dorset, Somerset, early, and I took a detour, and I just went and and parked my car in the place where those Scripture Union camps used to happen. They don't happen there now anymore, but I found the tears coming down my face as I was where the Lord had met me. I'm looking forward next week to being in Derbyshire. I was a curate up in Chesterfield, and I fully intend to go and walk some of the places where the Lord met me uh, 30 years ago. Now, that can be really healthy to just go and reconnect with a place where the Lord met you. Or it might be an old book. Uh, For me, I reread Hudson Taylor, my great hero. Uh, But a couple of other books that I would recommend to you. John Ortberg's book, Soul Keeping. Uh, This came out about eight years ago. And when I read it, it was like water to a dry soul. I read it straight through. Then I read it a chapter a day uh, for my quiet times, then I took it on holiday and read it again. And I tend to reread this every couple of years. If you are feeling parched in your soul, that's a real, John Ortberg is so accessible. You won't feel beaten up, you'll just feel loved in a way of you want to give the Lord time. Or um, the book I recommended a couple of years, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Dale Ortland's Gentle and Lowly. This is just truth and a balm for your soul. Uh, I, read, I said I read this for the third time. It only came out two years ago. Uh, really commend that. And now, five years ago, when this cocktail of things was happening after the redevelopment, uh, I realised I needed to give time not just to sleep and eat and walking, but to engaging with the Lord for my disciplines to go better and deeper. I'd used to have a quiet day a month, that had kind of slipped. Uh, And I realized that the Lord was calling me into taking more time in quiet. Uh, One of the things I did was read this book by Ruth Haley Barton, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. It's actually based on the story of Elijah, but it's just a journey, particularly for busy people, of us beginning to explore being still before the Lord. I also signed up... In our diocese, we have, as I say, a real wonderful network of spiritual directors who are good on quiet and retreat. Uh, And I signed up to do the Ignatian exercises. Now, the Ignatian exercises, if you do them hardcore—that is, 30 days in a monastery—there's. I knew that was a bit of a stretch for me. I didn't didn't do that. Uh, (laughs) So I won't mention you on on the table. But they do a way of doing it 30 weeks, a retreat in daily life. And I thought, well, I can do that. So I signed up with the spiritual director. I have a wonderful older lady, godly old lady. Um, What I didn't realize was I was kind of in the remedial class. And before I got to the 30 weeks, there needed to be a period of preparation. And my 30 weeks were more like 30 fortnights. So it took me about a year and a half. But every fortnight I went and met and talked through with this older lady and made sure I was giving an hour each morning to the Lord. And over that time, God slowly started getting through to some of the deeper places that when you're busy, he doesn't always get to. And my quiet times for the Lord have been much better since then. But I'm needing it again. I'm tired, as fully understandably. Um, bereavement has that effect when you're exhausted. And it can mess with you spiritually. And I need to give time again to that. So then we get to the question. Uh, I love the question. Uh, what are you doing here, Elijah? Sorry, Zach, I probably messed up my notes. Did we read um, the next bit from verse 9 onwards? Let's say, uh, yeah, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love that question. When the Lord asks a question, he knows the answer. <laughs> it's not for his benefit. Uh, Let's listen to Elijah's answer. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Or perhaps, How are you doing, Elijah? He replied exactly the same. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Five years ago, when I was in the middle of this cocktail of stuff going on, I took a quiet day, and at the start of the day, I wrote down the question, what are you doing here, Jonathan? And I commend that to you. Get alone with the Lord and answer his question. And I wrote, I've been very zealous for the Lord. We've done the redevelopment, and I've done this, and I've done the other. And I'm tired and fed up, and people are having a go at me. And I went through this, and the Lord started to meet with me. And I was rereading that journal from five years ago over this week. And then there comes the point where the Lord begins to give direction. But you can't legislate for the time. He'll speak when he's ready. So let's carry on from verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. So the instruction starts to come. First of all, there's physical, food, sleep, rest, exercise. Then there's time alone from everybody, the walk, the cave. All this dramatic stuff happened, earth, wind, and fire. I felt at that particular time, it was like there had been earthquake, wind, and fire. And I was a bit bemused. And then the Lord starts to speak. And obviously what he will say to you will be different from what he said to me, different from what he said to Elijah. But there comes a point where God says, go back and get on with it. Okay, Elijah, back you go the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. Go and anoint Hazael. Go and anoint Jehu. And this one especially, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Mahola to succeed you as prophet. You're not on your own, Elijah. Uh, Jehu will put to death any escape from the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any escape from the sword of Jehu. Yet there are 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, whose mouths have not kissed him. You are not on your own. There are lots of you. And he gives him someone to work with, Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing. Uh, Elisha throws his cloak around him. And they become a team until Elijah gets promoted to glory and Elisha is the prophet. Some of you are feeling on your own. Talk to the Lord about who... He wants you to spend time with and work with. It may be a prayer triplet or a formation. It may be joining a small group. It may be a colleague. It may be asking someone to help. But when you get to that point, Lord, the God doesn't want us to be on our own. He has people for us. When we're fed up like Elijah, we feel it's only us left, and we can get isolated. So food, sleep, exercise, time to be still before the Lord... Working with others. All these things are part of it. It reminded me a bit of how Jesus recommissioned Peter in John 21. That starts with food as well. There's breakfast on the beach. Um, seeing Roger on the front row. Roger's one of our church wardens. Took me out for breakfast the other day. Always a good way to have a chat with the vicar. <laughs> Let's just go out for breakfast. Let's have some food. Let's do it over that. That's good. That's how the Lord did it for Elijah. It's how Jesus did it uh, for Peter. And Elijah was refreshed. Now whatever state you are in, uh, and all of us get to this stage from time to time, if you're not there praise the Lord, but do put in places. Look after your diet, look after your sleep, look after your exercise, look after your meeting with people, look after your quiet times. And if you don't you may get to the sort of crash point where it has to be more dramatic. But put in those rhythms. I've realized that as our church is growing and there's more responsibility wider My rhythms are not sufficient to sustain me for the next stage. I need to go deeper. I need to dig bigger foundations. I don't know how you're doing. But we are not Superman. We're not superheroes. God knows that we're made of dust. He's made us out of dust. He's put his spirit in us. I love Psalm 103. This would be a good place to go to if you want to meditate, but a couple of verses from Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Uh, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's what he told Moses, we saw a couple of weeks ago. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. When God looks at you, he's not fed up. He's not cross. He's not disappointed. He has compassion. He knows that we're made of dust. But filled with his spirit, it's amazing what we can do. So come back to the Lord. Take some time and ask him, what do you need? For some, it might be more physical. For some, it might be more spiritual. For all of us, it's both that and relationships. Uh, I commend those books. One more book I'll commend is some of us did The Wellbeing Journey by Dave Smith. Actually, Dave Smith uses Elijah as well. This is 50 chapters, uh, two-page chapters. Really good, again, for a seven-week period of quiet times. just going through your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health. It's a really useful thing to do if you don't know where to start. Commend that to you. Uh, But before that, we're going to pray. So would the band come back and let's pray together. And as we come to the Lord, let's just put up one more verse from Jesus' invitation. So let's stand and have a look at this verse where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, here we are and we come to you. You see us. You see those here who are where Elijah was, exhausted and spent. You see those who are doing okay. You see those who are really well. But we pray you would pour your Holy Spirit on all of us. Those here, those watching online, now or later. And each of us might pray, Holy Spirit, come and refresh me. And in the stillness, Lord, would you just whisper to us the next step. Just be still and listen. if our minds are just blank, Lord, will you lead us to a place where we can hear what's needed? Give us courage to put in place what's needed. Sabbaths, sleep, time with friends, time alone with you. And we pray for each member of this church family, as well as for us as a whole, that you would deepen us. And equip us to be able to refresh others, individuals, other churches as well. And as we sing your praise now, as we come to the end of the service, continue to pour your spirit on us and whisper to us what we need. So Lord Jesus, we come to you. We praise you that in you is our hope. We praise you that you are risen from the dead. You're pouring out your spirit, so we delight to worship you together. Amen.